Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can hear me daily on this podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and now on YouTube and find my words over at ESPN and NBA Australia. And joining me is the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast. And Frank, we don't actually bring up these numbers very often, but when we say longtime voice of the podcast, we're nearing 1,200 episodes. So um, look, it, it took us about 1,170 to get on YouTube, but now we've got different ventures here. But that's a lot of podcasts and you've done on Lockdown Bucks. I think you're going to say it took us about 1170 to, to start to get a hang of doing good podcasts. Um, <laughs> that too, that too. Maybe, maybe we haven't gotten even gotten the hang of it yet. Um, yeah, it, uh, this is my, my podcast number two. Um, I'm, I'm more casually dressed this time around because you were, I wouldn't say you were giving me uh, grief over having a collared shirt on last time, but I, I hadn't changed after work. So, uh, so yeah, um, I'm, I'm a bit more, more casual. I've got my, um, Bucks champs Giannis and Kareem cheersing shirt um and I I should have because you asked me I, I should have been able to tell you where I got this shirt and I've gotten bought so much random swag that I I can't even remember where it's from but I'm gonna try to find, find it while we're uh while we're on this podcast so that I can give uh the proper person uh credit because I also have like I think I think this is the original version I think I have another version which has Bango instead of Kareem. I'm pretty sure that's like the knockoff version. Um, so I'm I'm very sensitive to to not giving proper credit to the artists uh, who who make these shirts. So um, so yeah, I I dig this shirt and um, we've got we've got some more swag that I don't know if we'll, why don't we save some of this stuff. Um, I, I've still got my my cup, my special Bucks cup that I flex uh, used to flex my Bucks championship. Uh, at work with, um, and I've got I've got a, a special guest I'm going to bring out later um, as well. But uh, but yeah, and I've got one more I think uh, interesting piece of swag that I want to plug. But um, media day, media day. Ah, um, you you zoomed in from halfway across the world, Kane. Uh, it was more interesting than usual because there was a championship that happened a couple months ago and we're still in the middle of a global pandemic, which is uh, continues to uh, ensnare the, uh, the world of sports as well. But um, I don't know. What did you take away? I mean, you got, uh, you got to answer, ask a few questions. Giannis promised to uh, get you a visa, I think at one point. (laughs) So uh, potentially momentous day for you. Yeah, I don't know what it is with with Giannis, but it's gotten to the point where anytime I ask him a question, the the press conference completely derails into some you know, ridiculous conversation that we end up having. I don't know how that started or why it got to that point, but um, I think he was a little bit shocked that I, I wasn't in the room. He was kind of looking around, and then he realized I was I was on a Zoom call still here in Australia. It was an early morning for me, and it started at three o'clock, or it was supposed to start at three o'clock in the morning for me. 
and then we had the owners and then nothing for an hour. So I was actually just about to go to bed. I'm like, I can't be bothered dealing with this. This is too much. I was glad I stayed stayed awake for it, but it was a little bit different. And and we may as well start with Giannis. And it, it's hard not to see, and he's always been a joyful character. I would call him a joyful person. But as we discussed on the podcast yesterday, when, when Justin came on with me, uh, this time last year was a very stressful period. Not necessarily this time last year, but at this uh, point in time heading into the NBA season. So to see him there, to see his smile, uh, I don't know whether you picked up on it, Frank, but it looks like he has a, a new shoe that he's trying to plug as well. But I, I think I think the big thing that stands out to me with Giannis was him continuously saying that, yeah, we won a title, but I want to keep getting better. And I think that's normally what separates the the really good players from the absolute all-time greats. He said that he was very aware of the fact that sometimes after you win a championship, you can relax a little bit. And he's very aware of that. And he's not willing to do that. And it's been a short off-season. He didn't get to work on his game as much as he would have liked to. But he was very adamant, very clear. He wants to get even better this season. And in his own words, he's far from satisfied. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting contrast uh, that he sort of drew himself where at one point he talked about being a people pleaser um, Mm -hmm. and, and how that's kind of a part of him. Um, but also, you know, needing to kind of set aside accolades and kind of what other people say about you or, or, you know, uh, congratulate you for say that you're this, that, and the other thing. Um, and needing to have kind of that inner drive to just, you know, and again, it's the, cl- it's the cliche of the bucks and certainly be honest to get better every day cliche. But I think that was a, you know, fittingly sort of a thematic again today, not just with Giannis, but, um, but he, he kind of like, that was sort of seemed like kind of what he was rooting a lot of his thinking in was just, you know, at, at the end of the day, you have to feel like, you know, you were driven to, to just get better and, and not by sort of some of the external stimuli that, that obviously, um, it's very easy to get caught up in. And we, as fans get, get caught up in that we are part of the external stimuli. Um, and so I thought it was certainly another chance, you know, at times, I mean, he was very playful. Um, you know, it was funny seeing his, some of his reactions as people were asking him questions. <laughs> he's clearly someone with two small children right now because he's very, yeah, yeah. Very, very expressive. Emotive. Um, yeah. yes, very emotive. Um, and you know, and then that's just kind of Giannis's fun side. So, um, so I, I, I thought, you know, in many ways kind of, a yeah, just, he was, it was Giannis. Right. And, as you even framed sort of in some of your questions during the day, obviously it was as much as he sort of said there was not a weight off his shoulders, right? Like it's the same. Um, I think Chris Middleton admitted that, yes, it did feel like a little bit of the weight was off their shoulders. Um, Giannis was at least trying to play up the angle that, that it was not. Um, but I thought, you know, he, he was obviously in good spirits. Um, but certainly there were, there were other topic areas that, that he hit on. Um, I think probably, probably the health stuff is probably where, you know, I think understandably most of the focus was, I think maybe we talk about that in a moment, you know, in terms of the vaccination, COVID vaccination stuff, and as well as his, his knee and, and how he's feeling. I think those are maybe the two biggest takeaways that, that people had generally from this, this, um, I thought the only other thing I'd want to call out, um, which I haven't seen really get mentioned much is he was kind of reflecting on game six. And it was interesting, the two things that he kind of l- brought up as being things that, you know, he may want to kind of draw on and, and kind of take from those games. 
I mean, on the one he was kind of joking about, you know, yeah, I'd love to shoot, you know, high 80% from the line every game, right? Um, but he said, you know, the two things he really took from the game were the fact that he made his free throws. And also he kind of then went on a little bit of a tangent, which I don't know that we put, a, I don't know how much stock to put into it because I'm not sure he had really kind of like even thought through it all. But he talked about how, you know, the other thing was that he was blocking shots and he was just basically chasing everything. That was, I think, kind of the framing he used was he was sort of chasing everything. He was being super aggressive defensively. And um, he talked about how, you know, normally you, you kind of pick your spots and kind of, you know, don't do that. Um, and it, it kind of devolved at the end of that question where he said he even went so far as to say, like, yeah, I, I feel like I should probably do more of that and, you know, I'll probably get more fouls for it, but you know, so it goes. So it, it kind of was funny things, you know, it could be a throwaway line and it, he may be exactly the same or who knows, maybe, you know, that, that is something that, that maybe he'll, he'll try to weave into his game more. And again, not that he's just always going to be hunting shop block shots or, or whatever all the time, but, um, but certainly, you know, Giannis, the playmaking defensive player um, has been something that has kind of waxed and waned at times. And, and certainly earlier in his career, when he had his real like first all-star breakout season, you know, he was close to four stocks per game. And then those numbers have come down a little bit. And part of that is just because people don't even try to shoot <laughs> near him as much. Um, but uh, I just thought that was an interesting comment just because obviously that was a huge, huge thing we saw in game six was the fact that he was just an absolute terror defending the rim. And, you know, again, can he do that over a, a full season, regular season? I don't know. Would you want him to? I don't know. Um, but it, would be pretty fun if maybe we saw a little more of that. So I wanted, because I actually found that really interesting as well, because, and I'm trying to think the timing here, that was either just before or the injury stuff came just after, but I do think the two uh, sort of tie in together. So I want to come to that in a second. I'll talk about Rock Auto first, our uh, longtime sponsors of the podcast. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and then wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket, so don't waste your time. You can choose. Uh, why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? For example, we have the Honda Odyssey fuel pump, 350 bucks. From a chain store, you can get it for 216 at rockauto.com, which is a pretty nice saving there. It's a family business. They've been doing it for over 20 years. Uh, so go and explore their easy-to-use website today to find out the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, so as we come back here, uh, Dudley was here, and now we have uh, who? Who is this, Frank? That's you. You've told me the name before. But... That that is uh, my thirteen-year-old paraplegic pug, Blanche. She rides around in a in a in a little wheelchair cart thing. So she's the opposite of a thirteen-week uh, golden retriever puppy. Um, she's also a much better podcast guest because she generally stays quiet and just wants to sleep. So Dudley is in his crate for the night, um, and I thought it'd be a much safer bet because now I feel like I have a obligation to show some some house pets in every podcast. So that was that was Blanche. For those on listening on the pod, uh, you'll have to check out the YouTube. This is how I'm trying to incentivize people yeah. to check out the YouTube. Um, but yes, you got another chance to see a dog. And by the way, 
I tried to put this on her more more swag. I got this little <laughs> like puppy bandana old school bango bucks logo thing. Um and it came off her, but uh but yeah, there's no shortage of of things. And now she's barking. So yeah, apparently well, if, apparently I'm, I'm, I was I was wrong in suggesting that she would be a, a good podcast guest. Well, she knows what's up. We're doing a podcast. She's got some takes. She's just trying to get them out there. So, uh, and I, I will say this is probably the best time of day for Blanche when uh, when Dudley gets in the crate and she knows that she's not going to be hassled and, and pushed around. So it's probably a good time for her. As far as the Giannis injury knee stuff, we'll get back to this now. Um, you spoke about how Giannis was talking about flying around the floor and doing this, all this crazy stuff defensively. And quite honestly, I mean, I think we saw the way that he played and he always plays with a level of aggression or a level of, of desperation, but it was certainly turned up in the NBA finals. Is that realistic for 82 games? I don't think so. I mean, the man would just be completely exhausted halfway through the regular season. But the knee stuff, I think it is noteworthy. And particularly the fact that, and I don't know why this is the case. Maybe this has something to do with winning the championship. And he's like, hey, I can talk about it now. I, I had a sore knee. It actually is better for the story if I was if I was sore and I was injured. I, I don't know. But he normally gives away nothing. He at least has said today that look, the knee still does bother him on Sundays. Uh, our friend Derek Name asked him whether he would uh, be involved in five-on-five five basketball on the first day of training camp tomorrow being Tuesday. And he said, yeah, I could play five on five if I had to. And so I think similar to where we were at during the playoffs, he was cleared of anything structural. And Giannis and knee soreness or Giannis and knee tendonitis, whatever you want to call it, is not a new thing. This has been something that he's battled before in the past. And I don't know whether it's a similar soreness or a similar pain or there's still some potentially lingering bone bruising that is there. I'm not so sure. But... I think ultimately it ties into the theme, another theme of the day, which wasn't just with Giannis, it was with Drew and Chris. These guys are going to have to try and find a way to at least look after their bodies or try and take it easy, certainly through the first part of the regular season because there's a lot of load. They'll probably be carrying uh, some injuries, some niggles into the season potentially. Uh, they're going to look after themselves, Frank, and particularly Giannis. You know, I, I, I'm, 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 as much as I enjoy seeing it, I'm anti Giannis playing 35 minutes and flying around the floor and, and putting himself in harm's way on a Tuesday night playing against the Detroit Pistons. Well, that's not very fun of you to say, but uh, <laughs> it's bad yeah, I mean, too. what, what yeah. am I doing? <laughs> I, I do think it's an interesting question. I mean, how are they going to treat not just Giannis, but just, you know, in general, the, the guys differently, you know, particularly Giannis, Drew, Chris, who obviously played the most minutes last year uh you know do they play a similar minute load but they just get more nights off you know do they actually ramp down their minutes during the regular season i i don't you know i, I think it, it ended up being an advantage i think the thesis behind playing the more minutes in the regular season partly being well a because you just had less depth so you needed them more but b uh making it less of a stretch when they then had to play 40 plus minutes every night in the playoffs to me i i think that was sort of proved itself out i mean obviously they won a championship but um but you know i felt like a year ago in the 1920 season like it just seemed like Giannis, if he had to play more than eight minutes in a row it just felt like he got gassed quicker and you know it's still you still see him visibly you know get winded now we saw it during the playoffs at times but i thought in the playoffs i mean to me it never seemed like it really was affecting his play like when when he needed to be able to really you know, go at full speed, even if he was, you know, maybe grabbing his shorts a little bit in between plays, things like that. 
it felt like he had that extra reserve. I mean, he had obviously a lot of monster second halves, monster fourth quarters. It never felt like, you know, he couldn't finish a game at, at a really high level. So, um, so we'll see, you know, I, I mean, we talk about kind of his history with knee pain. Historically, it used to be the right knee. um, And then the left knee is what he hurt in that game against the Lakers right before kind of the bubble break um, in early 2020. So the last two injuries have been to the left knee. Um, Previously, he had, you know, this kind of lingering soreness for years, basically, um, in his right knee. And, you know, people may remember in uh, August 2017, he was training with the Greek national team and there became this big blow up because he um, reported feeling some pain. Uh, I think Suki Hobson, I think flew to China to like, you know, work him out or something, just test it out basically. And he ended up, you know, basically sort of taking the rest of the summer off from the Greek national team. So, you know, unfortunately we've seen kind of this, this happened before in terms of knee pain, again, different injury, the opposite knee um, of, of what it was back then. Um, but, you know, uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, I think it was that year and in previous years, it's not like, you know, Giannis, we expect Giannis to play a lot in the preseason, but I think that's the obvious, you know, stress test pressure point uh, for him, you know, now is, is he practicing? And then, you know, is he playing in the, the open scrimmage in a week or whenever that is? I think it's, I think it's in a week, basically next weekend. Right. Um, and then, you know, is he playing in the preseason? Does he only show up for like the last end of the preseason? I mean, We've seen that in the past. He it's not like he's always playing in all the preseason games. He's typically gotten days off and um, you know, 17, 18, so that season after that he went into with that, you know, the concerns around the knee, he ended up playing 75 games and averaging almost 37, 37 minutes a game. Um, that was his probably as I you'd probably like his like second big season. That was the last season uh, under the kid Prunty regime. He averaged twenty seven points, ten rebounds, almost five assists. So um so yeah, I mean, you just kind of cross your fingers, and you know, Giannis is typically never one who likes to admit injury, sort of like in the moment. Um, so, you know, I think we were joking with with Eric um, in in the, in our messages, you know, the last few days about when that 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 first sort of um, translated interview yeah. stuff came over from Greece, and you know, he was he was admitting that he was in pain, and you know, we said, all right, well we all know he's going to say that he feels good and, you know, is going to basically not give you anything really uh, during, during media day. And um, maybe he gave on a little bit more than, than usual um, by admitting he may not practice tomorrow, but uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll just see kind of as this, you know, days and, and the next couple of weeks sort of play out um, hopefully by the end of preseason, you know, he's ramped up and, Again, he's not a guy that needs to play a ton during preseason, right? We know what he can do, but you just want to obviously get into a condition where he's comfortable and and ready to go for the regular season. So I'm not sure what else stood out to you or if there was any particular plays, but one conversation that I enjoyed or one you know player session, I guess, if you want to call it, that was uh, Dante DiVincenzo and George Hill. Uh, the old uh, pals back together, they were very, very close when George Hill was in Milwaukee a couple of seasons ago. Um, so clearly uh, they were happy to be back together and have a chance to, to go into another training camp uh, with each other. And Dante DiVincenzo was someone I was fascinated to listen to speak. Uh, he basically said that, he basically confirmed what we kind of already know. He's, he's still a work in progress when it comes to returning to the floor. 
He didn't specifically give a date of when he's expected to come back. I know there's been some speculation, some loose reporting that maybe it'll be closer to Christmas, which is still a couple of months away. I know that he's not ready to, to scrimmage with the team. But I was really interested to hear his perspective on watching the team win the championship and how difficult it was. Because I think it would be really easy if you Dante DiVincenzo to sit there and say, no, no, it was great. I loved it. I was happy for everyone. It was fantastic. But he's a human. So if he had said that, I would have been a little bit skeptical that there wasn't some kind of a jealousy or disappointment. And he kind of admitted as much. He said it was tough when you're a competitor sitting on the sideline. It's, it's really tough to watch this team. But I asked him from the other perspective. I said, I know it was hard. But you also were sitting front row to some just absolutely absurd performances when it came to Giannis. And he straight up said to me, how did you feel when Drew Holiday stole that ball and throw the alley-oop to, to Giannis? He's like, I felt the exact same way that you felt. And and it was uh, it was kind of cool to hear him speak about once he sort of like switched his mindset from being disappointed about not playing, he said that the fan came out at him and he was just sitting front row on his scooter scooting around all over the place watching these these incredible performances. And and I, I, he's someone that I really hope comes back and plays well and has has success in Milwaukee because I think that he deserves it. But just hearing him talk about the roller coaster of emotions was was fascinating to me. Yeah, I, I thought it was. Um, I, I saw that quote that you tweeted out, um, and it, it was kind of a cool way to frame it, right? That that he kind of turned it on turned it on you a little bit, not in a you know confrontational way, but um, but just a reminder that yeah, I mean you're in the moment, like these guys are, I mean, they, they, they're closer to this team than, you know, even as we as fans can, can obviously relate to. And, and again, maybe they don't always have the history with the team the way we do, but I mean, they've Dante's been living and dying with this team now um, for now his, his going into his fourth year. And, and so it was, you know, it's cool to hear that obviously you can appreciate it in the moment that in the same way and that, that it meant so much to him. And, you know, to be honest, I mean, just, it was cool seeing him out there with George Hill because, you know, we, we heard him talk, you know, back when uh, George and Eric Bledsoe were around in Dante's first and second years, you know, Dante talked a lot about how those two guys, you know, really kind of took him under their wings and helped him sort of understand the finer points of defense, how to you know, get over screens. And, um, you know, it's pretty cool to see them kind of reunited here now that, now that George Hill is back. And um, I, th- I thought it was nice and, and it's kind of silly. I mean, I'm, you know, this is now this, what, the second time that Dante's come into a season and, you know, there's been a lot of mystery and, and sort of secrecy around his rehab and we're not really sure where he is. Um, I, you know, again, I, I don't get the impression just from, from what we're seeing and what he said today, he's not scrimmaging five on five. Um, again, John Horst has previously suggested he's maybe even ahead of his schedule that they're not worried about it impacting him, you know, long-term the injury. But um, I was just happy to see him wearing, you know, the same, sh- the s- two of the same shoe, <laughs> not not wheeling around, not in a yeah, walking boot. Yeah. Um, you know, he was just wearing his, his yellow Nikes or whatever he was wearing and looked like a professional basketball player who's going to go practice. Um, so just to see him kind of walking normally was, was a good sign. And, you know, we'll see what happens. I think the Bucks, from a regular season standpoint have the luxury of, other guys stay healthy, you know, Grayson Allen and uh, Pat Connaughton. We'll see what they get out of Rodney Hood, but certainly George Hill being back as well. I think they do have the luxury of, um, you know, not rushing him. And I thought it was interesting he made the comment of how he's not going to come back at 90, 95%. He's going to be 110%. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm always, I always, 
I always find like how athletes use, you know, health percentiles kind of interesting. Um, but I think for him, especially in a contract year, I mean, yeah, I mean, he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be rushing back from, from the kind of injury he had. And, you know, I think there's, there's no reason to, to do that. Right. It's not like, you know, you're going to need him to fight to make the playoffs or something like that. So, um, speaking of health, I mean, let, let, the, the elephant in the room, um, not just, uh, in the Bucks media day, but, but across the league, um, was, uh, the ongoing COVID epidemic and how much that is, you know, obviously we know what it's meant to society as a whole, and it continues to, you know, impact sports. And in the case of the NBA, there's obviously been a lot of talk about players who have not yet been vaccinated. Um, we started the day hearing from, uh, ownership that I think it was the quote unquote vast majority of the team has been vaccinated. Obviously that doesn't necessarily, um, you know, provide a lot of precision about who, who has not been vaccinated or exactly how many, um, you know, I think we did hear from Shams that 90% of the league is vaccinated, which, I mean, I would say this, look, I think I'll, I'll, I'll say this, that, you know, as, as someone who yes, believes in science and, um, there's obviously a strong uh, incentive the way the NBA is, is framing its protocols to get vaccinated. Uh, and there's a strong reason for anybody, regardless of how healthy they may think they are, to get vaccinated for the sake of just generally protecting others. There was an article from Baxter Holmes at ESPN about, you know, training staffs and assistant coaches being kind of pissed off that, that players are not seemingly taking it as seriously as staffs who are being mandated to do this. Um, but I would also say this, you know, the players are also a reflection of society more broadly. And, you know, I think we can say, why can't we get that last 10% over the line? And we'll see with the Bucks who those people are, because I'm guessing at some point we'll hear something that suggests who those players are. Today, nobody was admitting to not uh, being vaccinated. And Giannis was very prominently, uh, confirming that he was. Um, but, uh, you know, I, again, I think if we take a glass half full, look, you can never, it's very hard to get hundred percent of people to do anything. The players association for its reasons has thus far made it very difficult, treated as a non-starter for the league to come to an agreement on a mandate. Um, which, you know, I would say is, is too bad. Um, because the players association does have the power to do that. They, you know, again, represent the players and um, I wish they would. And we've heard, I think guys like Kareem and Oscar um, provide some compelling um, arguments, which I don't think are necessarily innovative, but just, you know, about why they should be doing this uh, and why they shouldn't be, you know, trying to protect the kind of small minority who, who for whatever reason are, are uh, averse to getting vaccinated. But, um, but Obviously, the, the story of today, there, there were a lot of, you know, Drew and uh, and Chris were asked about it and gave very kind of non-answers. Drew, it seemed like he almost wanted to admit that he'd been vaccinated because he seemed to be suggesting it was the, you know, safe thing to do, but didn't actually say it, which, you know, I couldn't tell if that was, again, them not trying to uh, be, you know, too in your face when some of their teammates have not gotten vaccinated, you know, it's just a weird, it's a weird situation. 
Um, and, you know, I don't know if Kane, if you saw like the Steph Curry interview about Andrew Wiggins not being vaccinated, but that was just also like interesting because Steph Curry was clearly, you know, like annoyed and just didn't really want to be dealing with that as, as a line of questioning. Um, but that's kind of where we are uh, right now in 2021. Um, I, I think probably the, the obviously the positive for the Bucks is that uh, Giannis confirmed that, yes, he was vaccinated and he basically did it because, you know, he has two young kids and a family. And that's what, you know, he thought was, uh, you know, what he should do. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I think if, if we think about what the biggest theme of probably not just meaty days around the league, but of uh, the preseason is going to be, it's probably going to be questions about this, questions about, you know, is Kyrie Irving going to be able to play in Nets home games if he doesn't get the vaccine, which I don't know that he's actually admitted he's not, but his aunt seems to have admitted it and he seems to be doing everything he can not to answer, answer the question. I don't know. Um, I, I thought from Johnny, from a Bucks perspective, um, at least we know Giannis is now vaccinated, but as we saw last year, you know, with Thanasis getting ruled out due to the COVID protocols uh, in game five and, you know, the, the specter for a few hours there of potentially Giannis being impacted by that as well. Um, you know, this could be the difference between playoff seeding. This could be the difference ultimately, maybe even in, in you know, winning a playoff series or even a championship, um, whether or not, you know, guys are, are doing their bit and taking care of their business. And part of that obviously is, is doing whatever they can to, to put themselves in a position not to, to get infected with, with COVID. So I don't know. I don't know if you had any general thoughts on it from sitting through all those hours of meetings. Um, but uh, I, I think, again, the, the takeaway, I think probably for Bucks fans, rightly, is that thank God Giannis is vaccinated. Um, uh, but again, I, I would hazard to say this is not going to be the last we hear of this for sure. Yeah, uh, look, I didn't know what to expect coming into today. I mean, I obviously knew it was going to be a talking point. Uh, I think for obvious reasons, it was going to be more of a talking point at some other teams like Brooklyn and Golden State, as you already mentioned. But uh, it's it's tough because this is obviously bigger than basketball, but we're going to really find out that this is going to impact teams and impact their ability to to have their best players on the court. So I, I think if you just purely look at it from a basketball point of view, then yes, if you're a Bucks fan, the fact that Giannis said that, um, you know, is, is, is a good thing. And it's, it's more than basketball. It's good for his health, good for his family. But um, him coming out and admitting that he was the one guy, as you pointed to, that did so. And uh, shout out to Steve McGargy. Big balls, McGargy just did not hold back. He was just straight up. Uh, are, are you vaccinated? And Giannis pulled one of those funny faces that he did um, throughout the day. But yeah, I, let's just say I don't think this story is going away uh, anytime soon. So we're going to hear a lot more about it. Uh, before we wrap this up, I want to ask you uh, about if there was anything else that stood out to you, any players. Grayson Allen, I thought, was a little bit uh, entertaining the way he he <laughs> he was discussing the prior college incidents and Wisconsin fans that maybe don't like him as well. Um, before we do that, I want to talk about Sleeper, uh, which I've said before, Sleeper is making me pretty intrigued in fantasy basketball, i got to tell you, because in 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had scheduled more, more games scheduled for that week. It made no sense and required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing basketball. It's called Game Picks. 
a game pick and it's only available on the sleeper app so basically with game pick the days of losing because your opponent's players simply had more scheduled games to play in that week are over the days of mindless daily busy work are over and the days of giving up halfway through the season because of all the work you have to do on a daily basis which is basically me uh, they're also over so they could even attract me so if you want to find out more about sleeper just download the app and check out game picks and uh, if you're into sports gambling then um, I know a, a lot of our listeners will be. You should be get it, heading across to betonline.ag because uh, it, all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action with a new updated site and interface and even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. That's bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So Frank, what, what else have you got for me? Did, did anything else stand out? I know I mentioned Grayson Allen. I thought that was, as a complete neutral who has no attachment to Wisconsin college sports, I found it I, I found it just very entertaining that he had to, and you probably knew it was coming and it was our uh, good friend Ben Steele who covers Marquette, was, who was primarily the one peppering him with the, uh, with the questions about Wisconsin fans and, and his time at Duke. But did anything else stand out to you today? I, that was the other thing I, I did. Um, I did have that written down because I, I thought it was interesting that. I mean, it, I, I was kind of impressed that he was willing to kind of entertain it as much as as he did. Like he actually talked for a little bit about like, you know, I mean, I'm sure he I mean, if you're Grayson now, like how much are, are you sick of uh, having to ask answer questions about, you know, his the, the tripping incidents that he had in particular in college? Um we well, kind and, of threw it back at him, didn't he? he? Like when he got asked the question, he said, are you, so the question was, are you sick of talking about these college incidents? Or do you think it's fair, right? Like then he's yeah. like, do you think it's fair that people still ask you about this, yeah. right? And so he was like, well, I don't know, you asked the question, do you think yeah. it's fair? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but he actually gave, you know, I mean, he said, hey, this is five, six years ago or whatever it was that, that this happened. And it was actually even said like, you know, that was probably the biggest or one of the top five, you know, stories in college basketball or whatever. And I was just like, man, you're, you know, not shying away from sort of how, how big of a deal it was. Um, so I, I, th- I thought it was interesting that he, he did kind of talk through it as much as he did. Cause I'm sure he's, you know, he, he's obviously been now, this is his third NBA team. I'm sure he's gotten used to having to talk about it, especially when he lands in a new place. Um, so I thought that was that, that I did think that was a, a kind of interesting, um, uh, kind of discussion thing. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think otherwise, uh, you know, um, semi Ojale and, and Pat Connaughton got the, the solo had some solo time. Um, I, I saw both of those Shemi Ojale's arms are enormous. Um, <laughs> although he, what was, what was the question? Somebody asked him like, what is it like to be so big or something like that? It was like a How very strong are you. How strong are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How strong are you? Yeah. Uh, and I thought he had a, at least a good answer saying basically that there's always somebody bigger and stronger. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, and he, he did talk a little bit about also just uh, his Nigerian heritage and, uh, you know, having uh, three other guys in the roster, including both uh, Adetokumbo brothers and, uh, and, and Jordan Wara and kind of, you know, the implicit kind of bond and, you know, what that sort of means culturally. Um, 
in terms of like how they were raised and things like that. So I thought that was that was a, a kind of interesting um, line of questioning as well. Um, I did I I missed the Brooke Lopez um, the Brooke Lopez discussion, which I'm I'm sad about. Uh, I think you had you were answering asking him questions. Were you, were you asking him questions about? uh robin's answers to to uh to some questions because i maybe my favorite thing i saw today um was robin at the magic media day um when asked about uh i don't know exactly what the exact question was but basically he it was basically a, an a plus troll job of of the whole uh nba anti-vaxxer uh group because he he referenced how he's he he's not really sure if, if brooke actually won a championship and He's going to do his own research to figure that out. He's not willing to congratulate him. So um, that was that was great. I, I had to tweet tweet uh, tweet out the video of that. Um, but uh, I I guess Robin is a a big Harrison Ford fan, correct? And and what were you bugging Brooke about uh, with regards to this? Because um, you know Robin just he just can't escape Robin's shadow. I guess even though he's now a champion. So I was sitting there, and and the nature of the way this all played out, there was the. Uh, the, obviously, the reporters in the room would get to ask a question. And then really, it was only me and uh, Steve Ashburner from NBA.com that were asking questions on Zoom. So uh, we were always going to be last. And it was just one of those conversations. Bobby Portis and Brooke were there. And mostly, you know, the stuff had been asked. I could have asked him a basketball question. But as I was listening to his answers, I scrolled through and saw the Robin Lopez tweet where there was a questionnaire. Um, who's your celebrity crush? It was like Harrison Ford. It was like, uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? And he wrote like being Harrison Ford. So I, I just asked Brooke, I said, are you like as big a Harrison Ford fan as what Robin is? And he, he of course, he, he started laughing. And then uh, he also evidently is a, is a big time Harrison Ford fan. So the, the Lopez twins, um, you learn something new about those guys literally every day. It usually comes from Robin. And then you filter it through and ask Brooke the same question. But uh, either way, yeah, they're, they're great comedy value. There's no doubt about that. Um, if you do, if nothing else, I, I wanted, I sent, uh, you guys, you and Justin talked about the uh, waiver wire activity um, mm-hmm. the last couple of days. I, I, I figured I would get, offer my kind of two cents on that. Um, but anything else from kind of media day uh, before we kind of go back and, and take some of those boxes? No, let's do it. Let's get into it. Um, so for those that missed yesterday's show, uh, Mamadi Diakite and Elijah Bryant uh, on the way out. Frank, I'm sorry to say, I know you had high hopes for Elijah Bryant this season, <laughs> but Diakite went to the waiver wire, picked up by the Oklahoma City Thunder. So take it away. Um, well, first off, before we do that, um, you, you get to do the ad reads and I'm, I'm going to do uh, the, the swag reads, I guess, yeah. uh, in this case. Um, I, I tweeted this out, but uh, Alan Witkowski, uh, who I have mentioned on Twitter a few times, can you guys see this? Okay, hopefully. Um, he went through this incredible uh, stretch of doing game day posters for basically every game for, I don't know, it was two years or year and a half, something like that. But um, they're, they're mostly you know references to, to movies and sort of takeoffs of that. Like here you see, Deer Park. This is the the South Park related one, um, but uh, th- they're just really well done, and it's just remarkable, like how um, just uh, how many of these he's done that he just you know just blasts these out for every freaking game. I mean, um, it's it's really awesome, and um, there's just a lot of really cool ones in here. Um, speaking of Star Wars, uh, here a new buck duels the uh, 
dual sunsets there for all the Star Wars fans out there. Um, but uh, just really cool, Buck Brothers. You know, there you go. I, by the way, I always struggle to, to yeah, no, which adjust myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just a, a really really cool kind of thing. And this to me is like kind of the an the ultimate kind of like coffee table book because they're just cool pictures. You know, you could literally just anybody could just walk into your house and say, "What the heck is that?" Uh, Kill Bill reference. I'm a huge Kill Bill fan, so um, this is from the first round against Miami, and I'm a big John Wick fan, so you get both uh, Kill Bill and John Wick references uh, within a couple pages here. Um, more more Star Wars here, so shout out. But anyway, um, so Alan Alan published this, uh, and you can buy it on his website. Um, if you Google, I think it's I think it's AJW3 at dot uh, bigcartel.com, or you can check out his Twitter page. Um, it is Alan J. Witkowski uh, on uh, on Twitter. And if you're from Wisconsin, you know you can figure out how to spell Witkowski. It's phonetic. Uh, but yeah, this is just a really cool, um, just a really cool kind of keepsake uh, for me that um, I've been following Alan on Twitter for a while. And just, you know, it's just cool seeing when games would come up. It's like, okay, what's Alan, what's his latest artwork? This this being kind of the final final one there the uh the championship one so that's pretty cool but uh anyway so shout out to alan for that um on the topic of uh yeah the waiverware stuff i mean you 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 mentioned that my thesis early in the pre in the off season had been that they'll get to 14 guys on the on the roster um and there's you know sort of financial as well as sort of flexibility reasons for doing that i mean one you don't need to carry 15 guys and b uh, when you know a, a minimum contract at 1.5 million, in essence, costs you five million dollars on the margins yeah, yeah. because of the tax and all. It's just you know, again, we can say like, well, you shouldn't think of it that way, but in practice, you know, if you're Mark Lazary, Wes Edens, Jamie Dynan, Mike Fastelli, whatever, um, you know, I think John Horse the other day was sort of talking about like, well, they have to kind of explain, explain if they're going to go over the tax, if they're going to spend money, make new signings, they're going to add a bunch of um, costs to their, to their budget. You know, they have to sort of make the case. Um, and, you know, is Elijah Bryant, if, if ownership says, okay, what do I get if I waive Elijah Bryant? Well, you save 5 million bucks, you know, uh, am I willing to pay Elijah Bryant $5 million on the margin? Uh, you know, like maybe somebody in the Bucks organization would argue yes, but uh, you know, I think just in general, given the depth of the roster, you know, yes, you lost Bryn Forbes, uh, you lost lost Jeff Teague, uh, but I think bringing back George Hill in particular, Grayson Allen obviously being added, and then hopefully Dante coming back. You know, again, what what's Elijah Bryant's role? I think coming into the off coming into the offseason, you guys say, well, geez, they don't really have a lot of guard depth, but with the way things sort of ended up um, at the end of the offseason, I think certainly. You know, it was hard to see Elijah Bryant making you know any type of real um, um, impact, which is funny for a guy that actually played. You know, as a sign of how sort of shallow the Bucks were at the guard spots. I mean, he actually played like you know some real minutes against the Nets. They were not mop up minutes. He actually saw some you know rotation type minutes in brief stretches, and obviously he you know didn't didn't really make much of an impact. Um, although ironically, I think he will go down as the Bucks' fourth leading scorer last season because he averaged he scored 16 in his one game so I've seen, if he I've never seen continue to peddle this stat and i it's he, just I, I don't like it he should never he should i see i'm i'm all i mean nothing against him person i'm almost like rooting for him to just never play another nba game so that he can end his career 
averaging like 16.6 rebounds and three assists. And then, you know, we'll, we'll be able to like, you know, somebody will do some basketball reference stat search in like 20 years for like guys that average 16, six and three. And I think he had like a block or something like 16, six, three and one over the course of their careers. And it's going to be like a bunch of really good players. And then Elijah Bryant, one game played might show up in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it's purely just a numbers game. And the other piece too is, um, you know, we talk about guarantee dates and even if there are guarantee dates for Elijah Bryant, I think it was, it was sort of staggered. Right. So, um, in January is when all contracts become guaranteed, even if they're not guaranteed for the rest of the season, Mamadi and Elijah, I think both had $500,000 guarantees in mid December. Um, but keep in mind, I mean, if, if they play until mid December, they'll have made a bunch of money up to that point and they'll have gotten that prorated amount. So if you waive them at that point, all that money's counting against your tax regardless, unless you were to, you know, unless they got picked up on the waiver wire or if you traded them and didn't bring money back. So it's not like they're free up until December 15th. So I think just like for, you know, generally speaking, like for, for people just to sort of think about like, why would you do this now? Um, I think there's two pieces. One, you know, why carry them into the regular season? You, you could only have taken one of them anyway because you you know you only have 15 spots and they they have, they had 16 before those two moves and then b i mean again you're working with these guys agents as well if you're not intending to keep these guys past training camp um then you're obviously having conversations about making sure that okay do you guys have another opportunity you want to pursue you know is Elijah Bryant going to go back to Israel is he going to look for another NBA job whatever it might be um, you know, those guys obviously want to figure out their next landing place and just hanging on in, in futility, uh, for a roster spot, they're not going to get with the bucks isn't necessarily in their best interest either. So that's obviously just a conversation to have. And obviously, as you guys pointed out, you know, Mamadi getting picked up, um, off the waiver wire by Oklahoma city, you know, hopefully that's a good opportunity for him just given where Oklahoma city is, you know, I'd say he, I don't know anything about the Thunder roster, but I'd say he probably has a better chance of playing there than in Milwaukee. Although, I mean, you know, as we've talked about during the summer, I think the, the main reason we thought he might stick around was just because the Bucks have so little kind of big man depth. So if you were going to keep one of him or, or Brian, it, you know, I would say it made sense to, to keep Mamadi. But, but you know, as I think you guys touched on, I mean, he had some you know moments in summer league. Um, he had some moments and kind of his random minutes he got during the regular season, but. Um, Obviously, the bar is very high for getting minutes here. And, you know, he was very good in the G League bubble. Um, but as you pointed out, he's really old for a prospect. You know, um, he's not, you know, some 20-year-old kid that is just sort of learning the game. So, um, so yeah, I mean, again, it's just these are just sort of the numbers games that, that you run into um, when you have a contending team, both the financial piece of it, um, as well as just how do you get, some of these guys minutes and for both um, for both Mamadi and Elijah Bryant, obviously the answer was, you know, probably a, a, a negative on, on both of those sides, right. Just financially carrying, you know, a 15th guy. And again, they could only kept one of those guys, but carrying that 15th guy at an extra $5 million just doesn't make a whole lot of financial sense. And especially when you think, Hey, you know, we're going to be in the contention to sign a buyout guy later in the, in the spring, um, or, or maybe you make a, a two for one trade and you want to be able to absorb an extra guy and do a, a trade spot. Right. I mean, that's another kind of piece of this that, that, um, that could, can be useful, right. Then you're not having to wave some guy, um, later to try to open up a roster spot. So, um, so yeah, I just think it kind of, if you're, you know, 
a contender who might be a buyout destination and who doesn't, you know, look at the 15th guy as someone they're really actively developing or a long-term prospect. Um, pretty typical to, to say, all right, let's just take 14 guys into the regular season. Now, again, they, they could keep one of the camp guys. Um, uh, one of the two camp guys, uh, I think we talked briefly about Tremont waters, um, recently. Sure. They could give him an NBA contract, but, um, I don't foresee that. <laughs> I don't think we foresee that, that happening. Um, more likely again, camp bodies, and then, you know, go into the regular season with 14 guys and, and then see what happens, you know, trades, buyout season, whatever it might be. Um, and, and obviously, as we've talked about, the roster could look different, certainly. Um, John Horse has, has never started the season with the same roster that he finished it. So I think the one the one thing we can bet on is that they'll make some move during the regular season. And maybe it's a bigger move involving rotation guys, or maybe it's just something around the margins out of that. But um, but again, just never assume that that things are static. Yeah, and John Horse, the quote from John Horse today, he actually said as much. He said, uh, look, we think we've got a better roster. We think we've got the pieces that we want and filled the gaps that we thought that we needed to. Uh, but he, he said himself, we've never been afraid to pivot. You guys have seen that. So uh, I think it makes sense that they would go in with the roster spot because I don't think anyone would believe that, as you pointed to, they're going to have the same guys by the time the postseason runs around. Uh, or comes around. So before we wrap this up, I'll mention the Locked On Bets podcast. Uh, those guys have been killing it over there. So you can check it out uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And we know Locked On Bucks is your first listen of the day. Maybe Locked On Bets can be your second listen of the day. Frank. Uh, Locked On Packer. I got to gotta give our guy Peter Bukowski a shout out. I mean, fun. it's been a fun, well, today and today being Monday still as we record this, but, but at least the early part of this week going to be a, a fun week to... Uh, to make locked on Packers your second listen, uh, if you're a Packers fan, just given uh, given what we saw Sunday night. So, um, I I I, will, <laughs> I I did you and Justin joke about the I forget who it was someone some 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 uh, TV guy suggested that Sunday was the greatest uh, day in Wisconsin <laughs> sports. To which everybody who is aware of the Milwaukee Bucks pointed out that hey, a team actually won a championship two months ago. Um, but it was a pretty fun day uh, on Sunday. I will, I will admit that being a Brewers fan and a Packer fan, um, I'm not that big into golf, but uh, all around uh, all around cool day and, and Monday, um, all that just an entree for the real good time of media day. And, and in the near future here, we're going to get scrimmages and uh, preseason basketball. The NBA is is almost back. Oh, it was fun. It was fun today and seeing the guys in their uniforms, uh, that's for sure. Uh, One final question for you before we wrap this up. You mentioned uh, the Brewers. uh, They won the uh, division. And I'm wondering if you think in the NBA, uh, the Bucks should be cracking champagne bottles when they win the Central Division. (laughs) You know, I I actually thought about this. I almost tweeted something to this effect that – it's funny because the Brewers definitely, and I, 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 I thought I, I noticed this more the last couple of years because they were wild card, a wild card team, right? So they've been a wild card team a number of times. So it's, it's like I think they, I want to say when they uh, a couple of years back when they beat the Cubs in that like game one sixty three, totally makes sense to have champagne and make a big deal out of it because that was like a huge, you know end of season. And I think that was like, was that to determine if they were going to be a wild card division winner? I, I forget exactly what it was. I apologize for not, not knowing exactly what it was, but, but I just remember it struck me at that time, like, man, baseball 
baseball teams just like celebrate all the time. Like if you, you plant a playoff spot, you do champagne, you win the wild card game, you have a crazy celebration. You win a first round series, you have a crazy celebration. And obviously on and on it goes. Um, and it was kind of like, you know, thinking back to the Bucks, they obviously celebrated a, a bit the Eastern Conference championship. But, you know, there were some funny pictures, which I think overstated a little bit. But, you know, the, 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 let's say the Suns, I think, had a bigger celebration for the Western Conference Championship than the Bucks did, which makes sense, right? The Bucks had expected to make the finals for the past three years. So this was more like, okay, we finally did what we were supposed to do versus the Suns. Like, everything felt like gravy. Um, but, but yeah, it was funny seeing the um, Brewers, you know, going nuts with the champagne celebrations, which really, I mean... It, to be honest, it felt like the equivalent of the Bucks championship celebration, and certainly um, the Bucks Eastern Conference title celebration didn't didn't come close. But I, you know, part of me wants to be cynical and be like, oh, "Come on, Brewers! Like you guys have never won a championship. Like, you know, like come down a little bit." But then I was kind of like, you know what? Like, I, I feel like American sports in particular. I don't know what your feeling is about it. You know, coming from from Australia, but I feel like American sports are too championship centric, too title or bust and i feel like we don't celebrate great regular season performances enough as is um you know i think it's i don't i don't know how you could ever replicate this but i think it's great that in europe you know you play a league season in in soccer you're the best team through the regular season and and you are the league champions and then yes there's champions league and there's you know UEFA cup depending on which one of those you might get into and then there's you know the 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 cup uh, tournaments in each country, which have more of that kind of playoff type thing, but they're during the, you know, they're kind of concurrent to the regular season. Um, I think that's a lot of fun. Um, I think it doesn't give the finality that we have in the U S and in other places. Um, like it seems like you guys with the grand grand final grand finale, uh, you can educate me on that in a moment, but I think you guys, maybe it, it hues a little more closely to American sports in that regard. Um, but I, you know, I kind of like the idea of, of celebrating more and celebrating the incremental stuff more and just enjoying it more versus like treating, you know, like, Oh, we're the best regular season team in the NBA and doesn't mean anything. Cause we don't unless you win a championship, you know, like, I, I don't know, even, even though we're now on the other side and we can say, yes, the bucks have won a championship. I, I, I think it's kind of sad in American sports that, you know, if you don't have rings, especially in the NBA, I think it's less so in baseball, just by the nature of those sports. But in the NBA in particular, the way that everything just is championship robust to me is, I don't know, it's a little sad that, that it kind of devalues everything else. I'm pro-celebration. I, I don't think it's fair when you, uh, you know, the Phoenix stuff, for instance, I don't think it's fair to mock them, you know, for reaching the NBA finals and losing and being excited for getting to the NBA finals. I don't really like that. Um, it's not just an American thing. Same thing happened here in Australia with the team that lost the grand final, but the week before had a big celebration. And now everyone's saying that oh, they celebrated too early. And it's like, well, no, they were just happy to get there. It's like, it's like, it's okay. It's okay to celebrate big games and big wins. So yeah, I'm pro celebration. Um, I'm pro baseball's uh, desire to pop champagne at, at every single second uh, possible. So yeah, shout out to the Brewers, Bucks. Uh, you know, Giannis mentioned the Brewers today. He didn't. He said he didn't want to jinx them, and I don't know whether he didn't want to jinx them or he just didn't really know what to say, or he, maybe he hasn't been watching that closely. But either I way, didn't get, I didn't get the sense he's been like living and dying every day with the Brewers. Yeah, I, I, that's exactly. not really the sense I get. 
um, but anyway, it's it's fun. I was in Milwaukee last time when they made their big run, and it was it was awesome. It was awesome uh, in the the first real defense in the Deer District. So I'm sure the next few weeks are going to be fun there, particularly with basketball coming back as well and the ring ceremony and all that sort of stuff. So we've got a good couple of weeks coming up, Frank. Uh, this I'll probably wait, get... what, what, one well, quick question: When you were on your Zoom and you're asking Giannis questions, and he's you know seemingly excited to see you and starts talking about getting you to the US and you have to explain to him, you know, that you're stuck there. Um, you did not have your Giannis jersey in the background though, did you? No, but I, I don't think that he could see me either. Um, okay. No. You've got to, you've got to, I, I understand, you've got to, you know, you got to keep it, keep it, uh, you know, unbiased uh, when you're, when you're on the Zoom calls. I get it, but it would be pretty funny. It, I mean, there's no way you could, if he could see you and see that you have, an old school, you know, Giannis first or second year jersey behind you. There's no way that he could not comment <laughs> on that. So it'd be it would be funny just just to see him react to it. But but I get it. You know, you gotta you gotta keep it keep it a little bit uh, a little bit more professional, I guess, than that. But but we don't. Who gets, this is you know, locked on bucks. We 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 show you how we feel about it, right? Um, you you probably for Giannis, you should just keep the Jabari Parker autograph basketball behind you. And uh, just let them know that that's the only that's the only piece of memorabilia you you treasure. I've said this before. When you come back to Australia, and you, you like, I still get to. I'm I'm lucky. I still get to jump on these calls, and you know, at least you know, ask these guys a question, which is which is always fun. Today was really fun. But um, when I do come back to Australia, I'm not in the arena day to day, and not in practice day to day. The fan does come back a little bit, so yeah, I think it's fine. We do this show. We look. We try to be unbiased. We try to be honest, but. Uh, also, we very clearly, as everyone knows, gets uh, get a lot of enjoyment when the team uh, when the team plays well. So, yeah, today was fun. No, I didn't have the jersey up. I definitely took that down just in case he could see me. But um, I couldn't imagine that the interaction would have been any more silly than it was anyway. So, uh, you know, he's he's happy. He's having a good time. Um, I, I reckon I'm probably – we're probably getting in trouble for doing this show too long, Frank. So what do you reckon we wrap it up? Yeah, we're we, of course I was part of the record long uh, YouTube episode, but that's just what you get. But there's a lot of stuff. We heard a whole bunch of stuff today. We had a whole bunch to cover, so I don't. I regret nothing, King. Nope, it was a big day today. Uh, lots to talk about. There will be moving forward as well. First practice for the Bucks uh, tomorrow of training camp. They're practicing. There's media availability after, so we'll keep you up to date with that right through the week leading up to the first preseason game. Uh, we're looking forward to that again. Thank you for everyone listening on your normal podcast platform or on YouTube. Jump on YouTube, see Frank's dog, see all these Bucks swag, and and chuck us a subscription. We really would appreciate that. But for now, uh, for Frank and myself, Kate Pittman, we'll catch you guys tomorrow.